Hello, hello. Welcome to the Mother Days podcast. I am your host, Sarah Wright Olson. And I'm Teresa Palmer. Hi, guys. Hi. Wait, is that our cue? (laughs) You can totally say hello. I mean, you guys are so in for a treat today. I just have to let the cat out of the bag right away. We have Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein with us. And yes, if you can tell that we are already freaking out, will I stumble over my words? The answer is yes, many times because we're so excited. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. Think of all that cash back on those overpriced kombuchas. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today that future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cashback credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cashback? A splurge on some fancy champagne with the gals or order fine dining to the house and watch a good true crime doco. Whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cashback credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Ricky, as you all know, um, was on TV doing a talk show for over a decade, um, as well as an actress in film and television. She is a advocate for the birth world, documentary filmmaker. Um, Abby Epstein is a director, filmmaker, producer, mother, advocate. Um, I'm just like blown away that we have you guys on this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It's it's truly our pleasure we love what you guys are doing and it's so nice I mean it's it's so weird looking at you both you're like the next generation like like we you know we're in our early 50s and it's just it's just so nice to to feel like this this movie we made so long ago is still having an impact with people like you it's it's just awesome oh this feels like in so many ways like this wild full circle moment definitely for both Sarah and I because we obviously watched your documentary. Um, we were we were those girls who wanted to have babies from the age of 15. We were those <laughs> girls. So we had been prepping for motherhood for so many years. Um, and, of course, we watched your documentary. But on a personal note, Ricky, um, this is so wild for me because I grew up um, with a single mother who has schizoaffective disorder. So it was just her and I. And a lot of the way we would connect is through like the entertainment industry, finding shows and TV shows that we loved, movies that we loved. And one of our routines together would be to watch the Ricky Lake show. And we would sit together and we would watch it and we would talk about it. And it was such a bonding thing for my mum and I. And we watched it from about 19. I probably was watching it way before I should have been. I was, it was about 1993 or 1994 when I first started watching it. And that's and when like, I first started. That's literally yeah, that's like the beginning. I was brand new. 
That's right. And I watched it for years and it became our thing. So I just wanted to say that that is amazing. Thank you. You had a big impact on my childhood and my connection with my mom. I assume you didn't grow up here, right? So this was, <laughs> no, this was back in Australia. Are you Australian? Yes. Australian. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's just so funny to me because, you know, I didn't get to go to Australia until years later with Abby for the business of being born. Like, oh, you know, wow. I mean, we, we went in like 2008, I think, 2009. <gasps> And uh, it's just so interesting to me to go to like places I've never been, totally different culture that they were, that it resonated, that my show that was so oh. New York, so American was, yes. uh, it, it just really was something that people watched all over the world. So thank you. Thank yeah, you. it translated. Uh, I remember so much of it. But um, to jump back into the business of being born, um, obviously for the people who don't know what it is, um, it's a documentary that you guys made in 2008. Um, And so it's where you investigate the birthing practices in the US, which I'm an Australian person and I've birthed in Australia, but it really applies around the world. So could you just go back to the beginning of that journey? Why did you make it? And why do you think it started this birthing revolution? So should I go first, Abby? Because it really was, it started with like my experiences of having my two children. So I had my first son in a hospital setting in 1997. And, and I was just, I was really, you know, I had a healthy baby. I had a healthy outcome, which is what we all want. But I looked back on the experience and I thought I was just given all of these interventions and drugs that mm-hmm. I didn't need in hindsight, you know? And so for my second experience of becoming a mom again, I wanted to do it differently. And at that point, you know, I got really interested. This was long before like thinking it's a movie or anything public. I just, I just wanted to have a different experience. I didn't understand why women that I was like around that I, my peers that I looked up to didn't seem to care about the process. They seemed really mm-hmm. wanted like the clean, healthy baby in their arms and didn't really care about the experience. And so that was really something that just struck me as like, I was curious because I felt so differently. I wanted to know what birth felt like. Mm -hmm. I wanted, you know, particularly with my second birth, I wanted that home birth and I even wanted the water birth. Like I wanted, I had done a lot of research on water birth, you know, but again, birth is something you can't control as a Virgo, as a control freak type A Virgo. (laughs) I've had, I had to let go of, you know, wanting it to be a certain way, but it was after I had my, my, my second son at home, as you see in the film, you know, I wanted to explore this, this world and kind of use my persona or my platform to kind of do something where I think it could be really impactful. And I honestly did not expect it to have any impact. It was really like a personal calling. I needed to do this project. And it was my genius partner, director, Abby Epstein, who we had (laughs) done the vagina monologues together. She had directed me in the off-Broadway production. So how apropos that we became friends and, you know, she wasn't even thinking about having children when I came to her with like, I, I have this idea, you know, and I, I, she came to my, my house in LA, I'd moved, I had made a lot of changes post nine 11. I was living in New York doing my show and mm-hmm. I ended my show. I ended my marriage and I moved to LA and she and I were just catching up. And I said, I really want to do something with this, this world, this world of birth. And I just gave her, I gave her my birth video that I'd never watched my home birth that was done on a camcorder back then. Oh I gosh. handed her my nine hour footage. <sighs> I said, here you go. I gave her Ina Mae Gaskin's book, Spiritual Midwifery. <laughs> yes. And, and this uh, anthropologist, this American anthropologist, Robbie Davis Floyd, she wrote a book called Birth as an American Rite of Passage. I gave her those three mm-hmm. things and she went back home and she just came back to me like a week later and said, I think it's a documentary. Oh my gosh. And yeah. Why don't you pick up where I left off, Abby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You are the plot twist of the film, Abby. I mean. <laughs> right. And like, who knew, right? Because that's the thing no one tells you is these films take so long to make. Yes. That we were like well over two years into it when I got pregnant. So, you know, <gasps> when we were talking about this, I had like no interest in like I wasn't even really thinking of getting pregnant. Like, it was just not even on my mind. So, yeah, like Ricky was saying, I think we were sort of the perfect duo because I was sort of this feminist director, but I had totally missed the connection to birth. Mm -hmm. Like, I got the connection to the vagina because I had been in this vagina monologues world for many years, but I, like, missed midwifery. Like, I'd missed that whole thing completely. And I was like a little bit more probably of like the epidural girl, you know, I was definitely probably would have been like 
that is the most feminist kind of approach is just pain medication from the second you walk in the door. And why would anyone want to feel this? You know, like (laughs) that's probably like where I would have gone or where I would have been. And so I think it, yeah, it really blew my mind. Like watching Ricky's footage completely blew my mind because, you know, I mean, none of us ever get to see birth, right? And then we don't ever get to see like a friend's birth, right? Right. And it's so Mm -hmm. different. Like when you see your friend doing something and like, like I know Ricky really well. So I know that she's not this incredibly stoic, like, (laughs) like, you know, brown rice mummy or whatever you're going to call them. Like she's not this granola, like at all. So it's like. You know, it's very I'm, out of character of me. It is. I'm seeing, yeah, I'm like, I'm I seeing her. I'm like seeing her just, I'm like, oh my God. And then, yeah, and then reading Ina May's book, I think I just, that, I really got it too. You know, when I read Spiritual Midwifery, I was like, oh, oh, okay. So, you know, it was, um, yeah, I think we were like the perfect pair because Ricky had already drunk all the Kool-Aid. She already had her home birth. (laughs) She was completely, you know, converted. And I was sort of like on the outside. I was obsessed with that. The whole, (laughs) I I was going to conferences for me for fun. Like, like, you know, long before we even made the movie, I was, I sat in at this conference. I saw NMA speak for the first time, Michelle O'Dont, all these incredible birth workers from around the world. I bought every book, every birth book I could get my hands on. And I just was in it. And I wanted to even become a midwife. Like I was thinking, I want to go to school for this. I was really, really, really in it. And the truth is I don't really like the sight of blood. And I, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that could never happen, but I did become a doula. I studied and became a doula with, uh, with Anna Paula Markel, who's an incredible, she's amazing. We love her. So yo, she was, yeah. she's so special. I mean, she, uh, you know, I met her long after I had my two kids and I was like, Oh, for the longest time I'd fantasize. Now Lori Bregman is like, I'm obsessed with Lori Bregman. These birth workers, I'm just, I'm just completely in awe of what they, what, what they give to their clients. Mm-hmm. And, um, Mm-hmm. It's 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 just so important, and um, yeah. So you know, Abby and I were the perfect team, and I think you know, me having had the show for so long and having this mainstream audience that really knows me, trusts me, relates to me, that it was it was the perfect kind of platform to put this material, this very provocative, controversial material out. Yes, you know, because I don't come with an agenda. Abby and I don't really. We at the end of the day, we don't really care what a woman does as long as she's making an informed decision for herself. Yes. You know, so it's it's you know yeah. I mean, it's, it's it has it's just really been about like spreading the information. And yet, though, we do have to say, despite you know Ricky being like you know, this very, very well-known person. I mean, at this time, I think even when we were pre-production, I mean, now you're talking like 2003, 2004 mm-hmm. is wow. like the pre-production, right? I wow. mean, Ricky's, you know, her face is on buses going in New York. I mean, she's, so in the beginning, we're thinking, well, we should be able to get like a television deal. Like, you know, because every time you raise, make a documentary, it's very daunting, right? Yeah. Because like, who's going to pay for it? Da, da, da. Right. And I just want to tell you guys, like, we spent at least close to a year, right, Ricky? Like, going Shopping on different meetings. Yeah. Things. yeah. And we would go and to no one like, would touch it. Well, no, what would usually happen, like, we went to Oxygen, we went to Lifetime, like, we wow. went to, you know, and you would sit in the room and there would be, like, mostly female executives mm. and they would all share their horrific birth stories yeah, and, like, watch our trailer and tell us how they were so abused in the hospital and how much this needs to get out there. And then I think they would, like, run it up the flagpole and then, eh, like... It was really interesting. And then we finally did get, finally, 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 we got some kind of a deal with Discovery Health. We're sort of moving forward with them. I had cut this trailer or sizzle, whatever. I went down to like Discovery Health headquarters, played it for them. They all literally turned like ashen. Oh my God. <laughs> like it was, you, could, you could feel like that, that, <laughs> that vibe in the room where you're just like, oh my God, everybody's like turning into an ice statue. And they just <laughs> literally looked at me and they were like, you understand that we cannot undermine the medical industrial complex in any way. Wow. And I was like, 
oh my God, of course, that's why no one wants our film. Yeah. It's like, that's who pays the bills that's right. at all these networks. So, you know, I think they didn't understand how, like they thought they were getting like a movie about like, beautiful soft water births at home they'll probably have a big disclaimer on the bottom you know oh like yeah this isn't safe or whatever like I don't know so it was just really and so we ended up then they ended up like dumping the project they said they had like budget cuts it was all good because ultimately we got a little money from them and then you know Ricky had to basically finance the whole film but at the end of the day, if like we hadn't taken that road, we never would have been able to make this film and oh. like have the freedom to say what we wanted to say because we were completely yes. independent. Yes. Yes. And then it wouldn't have been the film that it is. Yeah. It wouldn't have been the film that has resonated around the world with exactly. millions of people. And I do, yeah. I, I have to piggyback on Ricky because, you know, you saying that you were, you really were this face that people felt so familiar with, you know, and they felt like, oh, Ricky's like our best friend you know we've been watching her for a decade and like following along with your journey and so when watching your film and seeing you in labor the way that you don't see people in labor it's not what you see on tv by the way you see people in a bed and they're screaming and it's painful and there's hospital gowns you never see someone's like leaned over their island like moaning no. and in my kitchen in your yeah. kitchen and i yeah. first of all i was like wow her kitchen's amazing and i was like oh my god <laughs> look at the way she like moves her body but um you know what was so cool is seeing you like that i i saw you and i was like wow i want to do that i mm. see her and i'm like I can do that. I mean, look at her. She's like amazing and she's moving and moaning and all of this. And it just felt so real and animalistic and wonderful. But like watching that film, understanding like where you were going with it and how you're showcasing the way that, you know, the sort of like medical industry has taken things. Um, you think like, okay, we understand now. We know what to do. Let's make this big change. Let's everybody, now we're going to be informed. And yet, from 2008 to 2023, things are not good <laughs> in the medical field. It's worse. worse. Mm -hmm. yeah, the, yeah. the maternal mortality rate is so high right now. Um, people are constantly asking why. Like, why is this happening? What is happening? I think your film like right now being re-released, it couldn't come at a better time. Why has it gotten so bad? Do you guys know? Like, have you have you talked to birth workers and like sort of started to piece together why it's gotten to this place? And um, and I know that you guys agree with me, like it from 2008 to 2023, there's never been a better time. Like we need to put this out again into the world. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously COVID was not really a friend to birthing people, you know? Yeah. Um, it's been a disaster and, and, you know, in so many, we're, we are hearing from birth workers, you know, as, as we're starting this process of doing a new iteration of the business of being born and, 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 and working on a series, you know, COVID, they, they, they now induce women at 39 weeks. I mean, that's mm -hmm. now standard, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it, I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's a mess from start to finish and it's not necessarily the practitioner's fault. The OB, OBs don't have the time with their patients. I mean, it's, it's a whole list of things, you know, the insurance industry, it's, it, but it has gotten dire, particularly among black and brown women in this country. Uh, the numbers are three times more likely that that they they die in childbirth for or or it's it's not just during labor and childbirth. It's actually that they count the numbers from till a year after the baby is born. Wow. And you know we have this lack of support for moms. We send them home with these babies, and you know mm -hmm. it's just it's it's something really drastic needs to happen. And um and I think yes, the movie is such a conversation starter. It's such it's you know seeing those images of women, you know, I being one of them giving birth in ways that you've never really imagined um, are so powerful for, you know, for so many to see, oh, if, if she can do that, I can do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Spring is here and school is coming to a close and life could not be crazier. Um, so one of the things that has helped our family so much on those super packed weekends and weekdays with sports and school and all the things has been Green Chef. 
Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portion and prep quality whole foods. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced protein, and chef-designed recipes in every box. And for our family, we have two people who are gluten-free. So it's been amazing picking out these like gluten-free recipes with the kids. You can find clean meals to suit your lifestyle with preferences like Mediterranean, plant-based, gluten-free, protein-packed, keto, calorie-smart, and gut health. My kids love following along with the Green Chef recipes, pulling them out of the box, looking at the pictures, putting everything together. They put on their little aprons and we do it as a family. It's so fast. It saved us so much time. And it's been something really fun to do together and teach the kids new recipes. You guys can go to greenchef.com slash motherdays50 and use code motherdays50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Go to greenchef.com slash motherdays50 and use code motherdays50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Okay, guys, check out Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. All right, guys, we are a couple of tired mamas and all we do is crave a spa day and we deserve it. We always end up putting ourselves down the very bottom of our to-do list. We jump from one activity to the next and we're always meeting the needs of everyone else around us. I think it is time for a little self-pampering. This Mother's Day, make every day a spa day for all the moms in your life with Osea's Mega Moisture Duo. It's a value pack of two luxurious body care moisturizers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion, both featuring Osea's signature, uplifting, all-natural citrusy scent. I think the greatest and most thoughtful gifts are the gifts that you actually like love yourself, something that you use on yourself. And I love using the Mega Moisture Duo. It makes my skin so glowy. It's like super hydrating, firming, smells amazing. When I give my kids a hug after a bath, they're like, you smell so good. (laughs) It is my absolute favorite gift and such a great gift for Mother's Day. Yes. Folding in self-care is a moment to practice mindfulness, it's self-love, it's compassion. And we all know if you run your battery flat, it's harder to recharge. A consistent body care routine promotes healthy, glowing skin and also supports your mental health. Treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOTHERDAYS at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOTHERDAYS for 10% off. All right, as you guys know, we are we are busy mums. We are dog mums, business mums, performance mums, school board mums. Life gets hectic. That's why we rely on our tried and tested go-tos to alleviate some of the chaos. NerdWallet helps you by maximizing your everyday spending, whether it's groceries for the week, drinks with friends, or a nice family meal. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. I mean, come on, guys. Think of all the cash back that you're going to get on those kombuchas, on those frozen pizzas. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today that future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cashback credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cashback? Uh, A silent meditation retreat in Peru, a sweat lodge in India, whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cashback credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. As with all credit cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. 
Yeah. Well, I think also two things have happened. I mean, one thing that we've seen just sort of tapping like a little bit back into the childbirth community 15 years later is that in the sort of out of hospital world, there seems to be like a tremendous amount of energy, growth, acceptance. I mean, Honestly, you know, back in the day, I I think it was like when Ricky was doing it and and we were doing the sequels, it was like kind of like Cindy Crawford. Like Cindy Crawford was like the only public person before Ricky that you'd ever even like heard about, you know. Mm -hmm. So now we're seeing this sort of on one end within certain sectors, right? Like people who know to or are comfortable or who are able to birth, right? Outside of hospitals, we're seeing kind of like just real acceptance and not the kind of pushback and challenge. I mean, I was looking this morning at some news clips and some television appearances that we did when the film was released and then when the book was released. Um, I mean, they were brutal, They had no problem on television, like looking at Ricky and being like, hmm, you could have killed your baby, you know, like they had. Yeah. I mean, they had no really. And nowadays it's like I, I so I feel like there's this kind of acceptance, you know, toward mainstream midwifery. I mean, one thing is. 15 years ago when the film came out, no one knew what a doula was. That was the first (laughs) question they would ask. At the end of every screening, they would say, "Uh, what's a doula? Right. So, you know, on the one hand, we have like birth workers, labor support. All of that has become a little more normalized. But then on the other hand, like Ricky was saying, um, the problem is the system, right? Mm -hmm. And we know that the, the system, like many of our systems, just they are racist, they are supremacist. They, you know, they they just have an inherent um, for profit. <laughs> let's just mm-hmm. say, you know, um, bias built into them. And you know, so even if you're enlightening and educating and motivating, you know, people on the ground from the top down, it's like, how do you change those systems when? insurance companies and, you know, are pulling the the strings. It's really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, And now I feel like there's a whole new group of birthing mothers that you guys are going to have the ability to tap into. I mean, obviously this came out 15 years ago. And as Sarah and I, we see with our podcast, there are all these women having babies for the first time who need to be able to have access to this kind of information so that, you know, at the very least they can go in informed. They can know what their rights are as a birthing woman. And I think Sarah is a really great example of someone who did decide that she wanted to have a birth in a hospital and she, it was her third birth and she had, I mean, maybe you can tell the story, Sarah. I just felt like you were so able to advocate for yourself when the system started coming into play. Like the nurse is saying, you can't be doing that. You can't birth that way. What? Stop. You're going to hurt the baby. Sarah, did you want to speak to that for a second? Because I feel like you had the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to go in and say, actually, I know what my rights are and I'm going to birth the way I want to birth. Right. So when I had my son, Wyatt, I had him at home and um, he was a very big baby and he got stuck uh, on the way out. And so um, we had a, a four hours of pushing and a little sticky shoulder situation. And did, you, was, did he have so, the dystocia? Yes, dystocia? Yeah, he, he had know. like a, she sort of said that it was like a, a minor version of that. Thank goodness. But we did the Gaskin maneuver, the maneuver. you know, the, <laughs> the changing of the hips and the, you know, finally with Anapala like, so wonderfully in my ear coaching me to push that baby out because it was time. I finally was able to get him out and um, he was amazing and healthy and wonderful. And that experience was incredible. Um, And then, you know, we sort of talked about it afterwards and my midwife said, you know, your babies are going to be really big. I think if you're going to have another baby, you should just sort of monitor it and maybe think about having number two in the hospital. And I was like, Okay. She's like, because, you know, things can typically go similar. It could be really different. She's like, but just think about it. And so I actually met Dr. Jay Goldberg, who, um, you know, has since passed. Um, 
but he was like my dream doctor. You know, he was the man who I was like, listen, if my cervix swells the way that it did the first time, what are you going to do? You know, and he was like, I'll massage the cervix. And I'm like, okay, well, what if I want to give birth in a squat? And he was like, I'll catch the baby. And I was like, you're it. All right, let's do this. You know, and I was just, I just loved him so much. And um, Anna Paula loved him, who was my doula. And so I just felt really safe with him. And I had baby number two in the hospital. And it was an unbelievable hospital birth. Um, It was so natural. It was like with every contraction, I was saying, wow, and yes, and like (laughs) just approaching it all with joy. And I had music playing and my son was there. And it was just magic. You know, it was like the, the oxytocin was just absolutely infused in the room. But this was in 2016. So then cut to 2020, I'm pregnant with my third baby. It's COVID. Um, I'm due in, you know, the end of August, beginning of September. Partners are just being allowed back into the hospital with their, um, with their partners. And then um, we weren't, we weren't allowed to have doulas yet. And then we were, so it was like a back and forth. Everybody had to be COVID tested. But I get into the hospital and, um, you know, it is very different energy than I remember. Same hospitals, same doctor, the energy is different. It's like, okay, we got to get this done. You know, everything felt really medical. I was being rushed to with like, um, you know, all the things right away. We got to COVID test you. Well, I'm in the middle of like a contraction right now. You know, I'm like, I need a minute. And then things going up my nose and like something's being wrapped around my belly. And I'm like, whoa, everybody just stand back. You know, the lights are super bright. I'm in a broom closet because I like they had no rooms left. So they put me in the tiniest room where all the storage stuff goes. Wow. And I was like, and Dr. Goldberg, of course, he like rushes in because he's on call. And he was like, whoa, do you want to be in this room? And I was like, no. <laughs> and and then they were like, Goldberg, let's see you outside. And they were like, there's nothing left. And he's like, Ugh, okay. And he comes back to me and he's just like, are you okay here? And I was like, I'm fine. I am fine if everyone just leaves me alone. I'm going to be great. And so then he goes off because he's going to give me a little bit of time. But then the like, the nurses are telling me like, you can't you can't be standing. Like when you're pushing, you can't be, you know, doing this. I'm trying to um, hold the side rails of the bed, my legs apart. And they're telling me, you have to get on the bed. You have to get on the bed because the baby could hit the floor. And I'm like, what? No. (laughs) What are you talking about? The baby's not going to hit the floor. First of all, what are you doing? Like you guys could catch the baby if he's not in here, you know? And then it's like, my husband's there and he's like, I'll catch the baby. And it was just everything that I was sort of trying to do or wanting to do that felt like what my body was telling me to do. I had somebody standing there telling me like, oh, no, 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 wait, don't do that. Oh, we need to give her this medicine or we need, do you want an epidural? I feel like it's too late for that. I'm like, no, just stop everyone. It's like chaotic. And it felt heavier. The energy felt heavier. It felt so much more medicalized. It felt like there was just one thing after another coming at me when everybody could have just been a little quieter and a little bit more hands off. And um, and it was very different than my experience back in 2016 when everyone was hands off. They were like mm-hmm. really following my energy. They were following like my daughter. Do- they were like, oh, you're with Goldberg? Cool. We're just going to leave you alone. And a lot of your like you knowing what to do and how to go into that room and advocate for yourself that directly came from your documentary yes you guys like teaching people like hey here are the tools these are the things that you can expect these are the things that these are the conversations to have and she knew like so Sarah went into that room and she was like actually no I'm going to birth the way that I want to birth. And that's the beautiful thing about you guys and your documentaries. You're not telling people how to birth. You're not saying this is the way you should birth. And you're not leaning into one birth over the other. You're saying, here's all the information, take what works for you, leave the rest. And that's the beautiful thing about it. And why I feel like Sarah benefited so much from your documentary, but there are so many more, the new wave of women who haven't seen it yet, which is why the re-release is is so important. I agree. God, that's an unbelievable story. And you ended up having, like, was it a big baby in the end? So I had my second was an 11 pounder. 
and uh, and my third was ten pounds four ounces. So yeah, and <laughs> and I actually all three of my babies, my cervix swelled. So once it got to like nine centimeters, it was the positioning that the head was in every time, just the way that my uterus was shaped by the first baby. Um, every single time, as soon as I would get to nine, the pressure would be put on the cervix and then it would swell. So the doctor or midwife would have to kind of massage the cervix and help the baby come out. So, you know, if I, I knew this because of Dr. Berlin, you know, who is our amazing mm-hmm. chiropractor. Mm-hmm. I knew this from watching your guys' documentary. But because I was like so educated on this stuff, I was able to go, okay, well, what are you going to do when this happens? Do you feel like things have changed since 2020? Are you hearing that from birth workers that like it is different at the hospital now? And um, and the frustration is high, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Burnout is real. Yeah. Yes. The burnout is real. I mean, I think all the birth workers we talk to really, really feel like this is a crisis moment. Like we're in a maternal health crisis. It is a crisis. Um, You know, what they're seeing happen because they're saying like just all the restrictions they were able to pile on during COVID allowed them, right, to like have all these restrictions and then never really roll them back. So, right. you know, there's a way that like, I remember when, um, you know, we first got pushback, right, from hospitals or OBGYNs. I mean, more than pushback. We got like hate for the movie. Oh, and then all of a sudden it was like, you know, Cedar sinai made Ricky like their mother of the year award. And then they were like, we were like touring hospitals and they were like, oh, look, like we're, we're building letting- a birth center. We're, we're like, yeah. they were, wow. Yes. They were showing us like, and guess what? You know, now we're using like, um, you know, we're not doing, we're doing intermittent monitoring and we have mobile monitoring and women can move around and they can eat and drink now during labor. Like, oh, you wow. know, yeah, because they were, they were wanting customers is what they were wanting. Oh my and gosh. they were following the trends, you know, and some of them were hiring um, midwives to come in and take over and like remake the maternity ward, you know, so things were moving in a good direction in some areas, like I think it got so bad. I know recently one of the doctors we work with, he confided in us that because in New York, we just had a really terrible nursing shortage and crisis and a big strike. And he was on this call with the city and they were trying to figure out how to handle this. And literally somebody on the phone just said, let's just section them all. And she was dead serious. And he was like, I could not believe she like said this on a call. Oh my God. With like a hundred people on the call, you know, like let's just section them all, you know, <sighs> screw, screw it. And I think that that, you know, if you look at like the kind of like time that birth needs to unfold properly yes. and the kind of support that's needed, right? In terms of like monitoring or nursing. And then you're dealing right with like all these people who've quit healthcare since Mm -hmm. COVID, you know, and nobody's going in. So there's just like a squeeze and it's really sad. Like one of the doctors in the business of being born, Dr. Moritz, he opened a new birth center in downtown New York and it was super exciting and it was beautiful and the rooms were beautiful. It looked like the W Hotel. He even got um, a permission to use nitrous, nitrous oxide, um, which they use in the UK, but they don't have here. So it was like going to be the first birth center with nitrous, with tubs, with everything. My cousin actually had her baby there, but then the same thing started to happen. We're like, mysteriously, there were no nurses to staff the birth center. So it was never open. And then he basically said, look, I'm either going to get fired or I'm going to quit. But like, I am fighting with, you know, with them over ridiculous things like people taking their placenta home, you know, like they're fighting me on every level and you know sure enough he's gone he's not you know he's with the tia clinic now as medical director not doing ob the birth center's gone you know and it's just so it just seems like how do you you know even the people that seem like they're connected and they're resourced you know ultimately 
again, it's like the, the business people and the doctors who are the heads of these large hospital corporations. And let's be clear, they're corporations. Absolutely. They don't see any value in this. They don't, you know, there's nothing in it for them to like let someone labor naturally for three days. Right. I mean, they're going to lose a room for three days. Even, I don't know if you guys know this, but the birth center at Roosevelt Hospital where Ricky gave birth the first time and where I was planning to give birth and, you know, it was like one of the only, I think it was the last, there are no freestanding birth centers in Manhattan, but it was like one of the last kind of hospital birth centers. I mean, basically they closed um, just to make fancier hospital rooms, just to charge more. And they're doing that everywhere, you know, because they're realizing that if they get rid of the birth center, charge more money for a bigger room, you know, it's it's all just become about like how, you know, it's, it's numbers, it's numbers. And so it's mm-hmm. really... Um, it's really, really difficult, right? Because what do you do? Like, like some people like need the system, right? Like Sarah, you needed to be in a place with like a safety net nearby or, you know, so what do you do? It's just, it's really um, disconcerting. And I think it's just, you know, the pendulum, like I said, I feel like the pendulum is swinging in such a big way, like in the out of hospital birth world, there's like such I think amazing energy. Yeah, oh, amazing, amazing. You guys must know Nathan Riley, right? Nathan Riley, he's no. an OB out of Lou. Oh my gosh, you need to know about him. I'm oh my obsessed gosh, with no. him. He's <gasps> he's an OB in Louisville. He's starting this program. That I'm actually, I'm Abby. I'm signing up for it. I'm going to do it. It's the Born Wait, Free in Method. Louisville? I'm from there. No way. Yeah. No way. That's crazy. You have to have him on your podcast. He's amazing. Yes. And his part, he partnered with this woman, Sarah Rosher, who's uh, a farm from the farm. She's oh, a yes. on the farm, and oh. they have come up with this course for for it's a it's to say it's a childbirth education course it's more than that it's for birth workers it's for parents to be and I'm going to do I'm going to take the course just for fun but he I mean he's the real deal he's yeah he, I'm so inspired by what he's doing he's reteaching breech birth which you know they don't oh, teach wow. in medical wow. medical school so it's you know it, he's amazing Stu Fishbine I mean there's all these amazing yes just lights in this in this world and um yes i'm so inspired by so many of them and he you have to look him up oh my gosh absolutely i mean i guess that's the thing it's like whilst we're seeing that the system is still there and there's still so much negative um areas of the birth world which we keep hearing stories about but there's also this amazing positive movement Mm -hmm. and i think you guys helped spark that like you guys were the ones that revolutionized this birth paradigm and now there are more people talking about it. You started the conversation. So you're hearing about these OBs doing these courses and so many people coming out and advocating for, for women's rights, which is so amazing. That must feel really good. <laughs> that must it, feel really good. We didn't plan it. <laughs> no, but I, I have to say it's the most, like I have chills just, just thinking about it, you know, and I, he and I have been talking back and forth and he just said, he's like this pro this project for him, it was spawned by, by our film, you know, oh. and it, 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 I do think it's like a, it's, it's revolutionary what I think we are, we, the precipice we are on. I do believe Absolutely. that, that the movie, though it had so much impact from 15 years ago, I think we have an opportunity to have it be even way bigger than it was back then. Agreed. Because back, we didn't have real iTunes wasn't up and running then, really. <laughs> we didn't have TVOD. We didn't have like the we also didn't have social we media. We didn't have Twitter, nothing. We didn't even have, yeah. I mean, we just got the rights back to the film last year because like Warner Brothers basically owned the film (gasps) for 15 years. Yeah, we never broke even. We never saw a penny, a penny. No. No, No, we didn't even break even. We didn't even recoup. Okay, we want to change that, you guys. (laughs) It's horrible. It's horrible. Okay, guys, we need to talk about the future. What is the future? What What is is the future? Yeah, what is the future of the business of being born? Because A, you need to see, like you have changed. I feel like I'm holding back, but trying to tell you like, 
You have changed so many lives. I know that you know that. I know you feel it. You've seen it. People have talked to you about it. But like, you know, for Teresa and I, like I found your movie and then fell in love with the whole world. Like it was just <laughs> between you guys and Ina Gaskin. It was just like, whoa, this is sign me up. This is my passion. I'm here. I'm, this is all I want to do forever. You know, just either I'm going to have babies forever or, (laughs) or I want to work in this field forever. (laughs) So what's phase two? What do you want to do now? Well, I think, you know, the one thing that we didn't speak about is we were talking about the way COVID like set things back in the hospital, but we didn't talk about the way, right, that COVID sort of like gave us and the home birth movement a massive boost. Yes. So mm, that, yes. that's actually when we started to feel like the first, remember, Ricky, like during the lockdown, we started doing those um, live, like those Zooms with birth workers. And we put the business of being born up for free for like most of the pandemic. And it was going bananas. Like there was just, (laughs) everyone was screening it because people were then in this position where they just didn't have an option because they were like, wait, my option is to like not have anybody with me? Yes. Right, right. I felt so bad for those women in early 2020. I mean, that must have been horrifying for you, Sarah, because you said you were were due around September. I mean, that's still like in prime fear mode where everyone Mm -hmm. is, you're afraid everyone's going to kill you, you know? Yeah. Totally. (laughs) But it's like, but I think that that COVID in a way was all around, I think, for women's health. It like put everybody in that like DIY mindset, Mm. you know, of like, oh, well, I'm going to have to deal with my own yeast infection and I'm going to have to figure out a way, you know, like you couldn't get seen, right? Like it even helped our other film, Business of Birth Control, because so many people during lockdown were like, I think I'm going to go off the pill. Like, why am I on this thing? I'm in lockdown. And then they were like, wait a minute. I feel so good. (laughs) What (laughs) happened? You know, so like we like in a win some way, you know, the the COVID sort of did bring people sort of like back. And I think- That showed us, wow, the film is still so popular. It's still the only thing out there. So so needed. Right? And so we're trying now, like you guys were saying, is sort of, okay, how do we bring this to the new generation, right? Like, how do we, like, and it does, it's still, like, incredibly timely. I mean, I think it's not, like, dated itself one minute, right? Mm -hmm. But um, what we'd like to do now that we own the film again, <laughs> yeah. you know, is is we're working on all these kind of re-release anniversary events to honor our 15-year anniversary. So we've got the film for Mother's Day from May 10th to 14th, which is now um, up for free. So people can re-engage with it and watch it. And you can register on the businessofbeingborn.com and just sign up and be able to watch the film for free. So I think our first step is sort of like putting the film like back out into the zeitgeist, talking about the last 15 years, you know, like we're doing now, what shifted, where are we? And then, you know, we're working on preserving a lot of the original footage because some of the people in the film, like Ina May or Michelle O'Don, you know, are, are aging. So we want to preserve all that original footage and make it available to people who want to go deeper. And we're also working on like a brand new series that would like, yeah. So it would be kind of the unfinished business of being born. So it would, you know, kind of jump off from the now point. Of like, I just got chills. Yeah, <laughs> There's the the unfinished business is perfect. It is because it really is unfinished business. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Families have a lot going on. 
Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know, looking now, I think we've seen like a tremendous amount of energy, let's say, in like Black maternal health, right? Like mm-hmm. we've seen that space come to life in an advocacy way that wasn't around. But it doesn't seem to be <laughs> changing healthcare, right? right. It right. was like, because it's really hard. Like, how do you undo racism? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. In, in healthcare. But I think like, you know, that, I mean, if, if you just look at like black maternal health, even alone, it's incredible kind of what they're doing, because what they're doing is saying, we just need more black healthcare workers. Like Absolutely. we need people that are going to like serve our community and care and, you know, and, and love us. And so that's growing, you know, and now you have black owned birth centers opening and, you know, and it's, and so I think that's what kind of always happens. I think it's like women constantly, no matter, you know, race or gender, it's like, we always have to step up to fill the gaps. Like we have to step up and, and make it happen for ourselves, you know, because no one's coming to save us and we're like kind of at the bottom of the barrel. And I think, you know, one of the things that like, we were talking about just the other day about the film, you know, is that birth is something where like it affects all of us. Everybody was born, right? So it's not, it doesn't matter your gender, if you ever plan to actually give birth or just have friends or family. But it's also, I think with the role of the doula, you know, kind of like what's happened with doulas, like we said, nobody knew what a doula was, right? And how doulas have sort of like steeped into the culture just just shows you that we are now also focusing on that this is the birth of the parents. This is the birth of the mother. Yes. This is not just the birth of the child, you know? This is an, a rite of passage. And I think, you know, that's what the doula's there to do, that educational journey, you know? And that's what I think like, Anna Paula Markell, like she was at the forefront of, you know, so brilliantly, like in her childbirth education classes, like I have to like educate the parents because this isn't just about how you lamaze, like how you push and breathe, (laughs) you know, this is about like a real rite of passage, a real journey. So, you know, I think my opinion is this generation, especially Gen Z, um, they are very woke to that, I would say, you know, and I think that like, what we're seeing is especially like, you know, some of them may be still too young to be thinking about like having babies. But definitely we saw with our recent business of birth control film, you know, they get it. They yeah. are not going to be like us. That's just like, oh, just take your little pill. Exactly. And deal with it. Mm-hmm. I had one of those ones in the arm. Oh, you did? I still got a scar from it. Uh, what's it called? I can't nor, remember. Norplant. Norplant. Yes. And do you know what happened to me? I bled every single day for 18 months that I had it. I just had a period for 18 months straight. And I was always like, oh, I guess this is what happens. Like, what? I just didn't know any better. I was 19 and I was like, it's really weird. And then finally, like my new boyfriend was like, this is all wrong. This needs to come out. Wow. This is not right. I know. Oh but gosh. I was just told by the doctor, this is what you have to do. If you're having sex, this is what you do. Wow. It's so wild. That's- but I didn't ask the questions. I didn't ask the questions. Right. I yeah. mean, wow. That is wild. You know, with um, birth control, I remember like being on it for such a long time. And then when I went off of birth control, I started getting all of these cysts. 
And, um, and it was like, you know, I went to my doctor and I was like, why am I getting, they're so painful. It was like one would come up and I have like a thing where I can really, um, intuitively like feel what's going on in my body. And so I was like, oh, I have, it's coming up on my left. And my doctor was kind of like, at the time, it was a very different doctor because I was younger, but she was like, you know, oh, well, I mean, this is not something that you would know. Like, you're not gonna be able to know that it's, she's like, we'll do an ultrasound. And so I was like, yeah, I can feel something on my left. And she was like, oh, you're right. Actually, there is a cyst on your left. And then the next month I came in and I was like, you know, I think the cyst has moved. I think there's one on my right ovary now, not my left, but my right. And she's like, that's not, no, that doesn't really happen. And so, and she's like, and really you wouldn't know. And it was just a lot of like telling me that I was wrong. And then she did an ultrasound and sure enough, there was like a cyst on my right. And so then she proceeds to tell me like, well, it's from birth control. And I was like, what? Oh. And she was like, well, yeah, that's really normal. Actually, like going off of birth control, you can get all of these cysts. And I was like trying to ha- get have a baby. I was trying to have my first. And so I was like, wait, why doesn't anyone tell you that? Like beforehand, <laughs> you know, I was on the pill. Like, I don't even know which one, just whatever one was on a commercial at the time on TV. Right. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, this is the one for all you youngins that don't want to like have too heavy of a period. And I was like, that's yes. the one. Mm. And uh, and it's just crazy. Like, it's, it's like the same thing, right? It's part of the same thing. Yes. It's like, it's on, and it all, comes from fear they control you with yes. fear right, right. fear You're of getting so right. pregnant fear of you know killing your baby whatever it is it's mm-hmm. just you know and, and now that- there is a real fear for because of you know abortion being taken off the, yes. the you know as an option mm-hmm. i mean now i mean it does it, it is a, a very scary time us putting that movie out last year the timing again i mean it's just unbelievable that that like you know an unplanned pregnancy is a different is a different thing now in this country, yes. you know? So, so scary. Yeah, I talk about the fear. I had, I was on a show and um, there was a birth scene and um, there was so much pushback because I was like, guys, I want to represent birth in a different way on this show. Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to birth, but she's going to be standing up. She's going to be, we're going to use water, blah, blah, blah. And um, there was such a fear that we would then be putting this out into the audience that a woman could give birth. She was pregnant with twins. Like, in this position, like, no, she can't have a water birth. She's not allowed to have a water birth with twins. Wait, no, she needs to be on the bed. And I push back and push back. And then finally everyone's like, okay, let's like do it your way. And I was like, fantastic. So I did have to take the water birth scene off the table. I could labor. She could labor in water. (laughs) She could birth uh, in a crouch position. But I've got to tell you, we have had, of everyone who watched our show, A Discovery of Witches, the um, amazing like masses of people saying thank you for representing birth Mm. in that way where it was mother-led and she was moving her body and I was like why don't we show that more yeah in the mainstream why not and it's that it's that fear-mongering thing like birth is scary birth is painful you need drugs you need Mm -hmm. you have to have the epidural it's it's this god-awful thing and I think there should be more of a movement towards people saying actually there's a different way. And maybe if you have a terrifyingly scary birth story, um, I, I, you know, we find all the time the willingness of people to, to share that with a pregnant woman, you know, pregnant for the first time, like, oh, God, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what you're in for. This is going to be awful. <laughs> I just I really hope that um, with the re-release of your film mm-hmm. and just just more of this conversation that um, – we can just throw some positivity around it. I think it. so. I think we will. And I think you got, you know, what's fascinating you guys too is that like, it's amazing how many people will like kind of reach out to us now or something and say like, I saw your movie in high school or I saw your movie <laughs> when I was, you know, 16. And like now I'm, you know, 28 and I'm pregnant. And it's like, it stays with them. Like yes. that movie yeah. does not leave you. Nope. If it, impacts you it's like it's in there i love the tagline in the trailer which i'm hoping we can somehow incorporate in the new in the new iteration but um you will never look at birth the same way again oh and Mm -hmm. i I think that's really true it's so true and i i want to say also ricky 
just like thank you, thank you, thank you for being someone who is using their huge platform to affect positive change. Uh. It's just a beautiful thing and you're not doing it only with the birth work, all the different areas in your life where you're so willing to be vulnerable and revealing. It's It really makes an impact. Oh, thank and you. I want to say thank you so much because thank it's you. just one of the most beautiful things to witness and it's, it's why I'm such a huge fan of yours as well. Oh, thank you. I don't know how else to be. Like I've just, I've always <laughs> worn everything on my sleeve and I don't know how to be anything but authentic and transparent. And I've been through a lot, you know, I've been through mm-hmm. fucking hell. I mean, losing mm-hmm. my last husband the way I did to mental illness and suicide and dealing with hair loss and dealing with like, just, I don't know how yeah. else other than to be real, you know? And yeah, um, yeah. thank you for saying that because it's been a journey. And I, I'm so, I'm really proud of this work, particularly the work I do with Abby. I know that we are leaving our mark, you know, and, and making things better. And, and it's really fulfilling and just having these talks, meeting people like you, it, it, it's like the wind in our sails, you know, because it's really Mm -hmm. been discouraging a lot of times to not get a sale. We weren't able to sell the business of birth control in the U S obviously because of big pharma, but like, you know, we're like the little engine that could, but it's just people like you (laughs) and having these talks that just really keep us going. And, um, we are so inspired and we are so excited about what is to come with this work, you know. Can I ask you a parenting question really quick? I see on your Instagram that you have your, you've for a long time, right? You've had your sons go to Africa to like yes. visit. Okay, can you just tell us a little bit about that yes. and why? My kids are super private and so I really respect that. They're they're grown men. They're 26 yes. and 21. But they had a nanny, uh, my na- my superhero nanny, Marie, was with us for 10 years and she started, while she was my nanny, she started a school for AIDS orphans in Malawi oh. where she's from. She opened up her childhood home while she was working for me full time, wow. got me through my wow. divorce, moved me from New oh. York to LA with my boys and she started this school and she currently feeds and educates over 450 children in her village. They have libraries that they've opened around the country and literacy programs. They have vocational schools. They have a preschool. They have art center. I mean, Madonna's been there a few times. She won this. She won the CNN Hero Award in 2008. (gasps) Uh, The school is called the Jacaranda Foundation, the Jacaranda School. And it is the most inspiring. I I encourage you and your audience to check it out. And you can send your children there. You can go visit there. Yeah, it is my 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 younger son just was there for seven weeks. He was there. He hadn't been back since he was sixteen, and he oh. went back and was teaching and working there. But it's 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 a sanctuary. And thank you for asking because she's she is such a source of inspiration for me of what one person can do. She comes mm. from nothing. She lost fourteen members of her family to the AIDS crisis, including her father and her brothers and their wives and their children. I mean, it's a really, there's a part of it that's so tragic. And then the the beauty that has come out of her, her tragedy, she's remarkable. And the school is incredible. And so I bet your sons like have really benefited from being there and seeing what she's done. Like, wow, what an amazing way to sort of give your mm-hmm. children like just such a different cultural experience and just showing them perspective, that, like, a yeah, whole different perspective. perspective. And like we show up for humanity and this is how we can help. And um, just that is amazing. Wow. And I'm sure that's Sarah, really- this is our next trip. You have to go. You have to go. And I want to actually bring my new husband and his grown children. We I want them to visit as well. Wow. These children are so happy and thriving and <sighs> and I mean that they sent like a hundred kids to colleges oh and my I mean gosh. It, and they all give back to the school. It's I mean Abby can attest it's it's one of the most amazing, yeah. amazing places. Marie is magic. She's actually in the business being born and at the very end, do you remember? She's oh, in yeah. the hotel oh, lobby with us. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, She's in the background. There. We're watching when Abby would like right before Abby gave birth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh when my you're gosh. you're talking 
think about the size of my belly and Marie was sort of there. And yeah, she, oh my God. Oh my God. She's, she was like your mom doula. She was like your doula of life. She you know? absolutely, oh, she has, <laughs> she has taught me so much and we're like soul sisters and mm. she was the best nanny in the, you know, she was the nanny that made all the other nannies look bad in the park, you know? <laughs> she would, she, I'm telling, like in the bleaker playground where I used to live in the West Village, she would have all the children and she'd be telling these African fairy tales. Oh my God. And they're gosh. all riveted. It, 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 she's, she's, she's beyond, How beyond. What, yeah. a, what a magical woman. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for gifting us with your time. We yes. talk about how precious time is. And thank you for giving thank us you. some of yours. Thank and you. And for all the wonderful work that you've been doing. Guys, you can find the Business of Being Born on Instagram at Business of Being Born. You can also get the movie right now. Right Business now. of Being Born.com. It's streaming for free, guys. Send this it to amazing. all of your friends. Send it to everybody. I mean, I feel like the only reason just today I got a video from a friend who just gave birth and it literally is the video of the baby coming out of her vagina and her husband <gasps> catching the baby and holding it up. And I was like, I swear the only reason why people send videos like this now is because they've seen movies like yours where they're like, yes, yes. it's normal. Birth is beautiful and it's amazing. And so I'm watching someone's baby being born on my like iPhone. Like it's just so so cool. cool. So find, um, send this to all of your friends and you guys watch it and, um, and thank and you we're going to join forces. You guys are, are with yes. us along this ride. We're so in. we're going to yes, call on you. And uh, yeah, please keep spreading the word. And thank you so much for your passion. Peace cheerleaders. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, you thank have you. been listening to The Mother Days. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.